change. It's like my dreams out of reach. This pain and all this grief. If you see God and you have to speak, tell him it's crazy in these streets. Feel my pain. Yo, I'm Pastor Phil. Welcome to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets with my great co-host, Pastor Jay and Ruck Boy on Holy Culture Radio, Sears XM, Channel 154. Church on the Block is back at you. That's right. You hit the right channel. You hit the right dial. Channel 154, Sears XM on Holy Culture Radio, Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. I'm Pastor Phil, and my host... Yo, what's up? It's your boy, Pastor Jay. You know I'm in the building. And we don't know where Ruckus is again. You know what I mean? I hope he ain't caused a ruckus uh, and a boy locked up somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know we would know because we're going right, to be the right. first ones he's going right. to call. Right. Well, I, I got to tell him I'm on the radio. I can't talk to you right now. But, uh, <laughs> but no, give him a shout out to DJ Ruckus, man, and, um, and all that he's got going yeah. on. So we are and have been going on a journey through band questions uh, of band questions about uh, uh, spirituality, God, life, uh, uh, you know, the, the gospel. And uh, we want to wrap this uh, band uh, questions up. Not that we ain't going to come back to it later on down the road, um, but, you know, about the Bible. What, what, what is up with the Bible? I mean, is, is, it, is, it, um, is, it, is it God's word? Is it, is it, uh, is it true? Or is it infallible? Is it inerrant, right? Um, what is it about the Bible, if it is inerrant or, or, or if it is infallible, if it's not infallible, is it still not God's word, right? Is it still not the truth of God's word? And being able to know that uh, um, I am uh, imperfect person uh, doesn't doesn't mean that I'm, I'm still not lovable, trustworthy, and, 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 and working on that, right? And so as we talk about the Bible, we talk about understanding it and, and trying to get a grip, grip, grip on it. We want to just be real with the fact that there's some crazy stuff in the Bible. I mean, you know, there's some stuff that will cause you to say, I don't know, is this, how does God look, look at this? This is um, God drawing out on men to write this text and to uh, share the love note through the text of who God is. Um, but yeah, there's some things in there that make you think about that, 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 that reality of God's message in, in, in the midst of that. And I'm saying this because so many times evangelicals and even folks who are in Bible colleges and things, uh, will just hold on to things because they, they memorize them by other people and yet they can't really defend it. It's not really that real, um, for them in, in, in that context. And they're, they're holding on to this and they're, and sometimes it's to be safe. Um, sometimes it's to, I don't, I don't know, I don't have another answer around that piece. You know, um, you know, you grow up in church or you grown up around, especially in the African-American context, you know, the Bible's it. And the Bible got stuff in there like, you know, you take one step, God take two. I mean, the Bible, it's in the Bible, right? And so, you know, grandma and them, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, you know what the Bible say. What does it say? And and it becomes almost like oh, like law, man. right? And um, um, the reality of of um, folks have taken to the extreme, like uh, marriage. Okay, you can, you're supposed to marry two two people. You know, hey, uh, that's how God made you. Or do you do you, do you take it to that extreme? Like there was one man who tried to follow every law. You heard about that? follow every law in the old Testament for a year. 
You know what I'm saying? Wear the certain kind of clothes and the whole shebang. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I have to nah, chime in because bruh. Rachel Held Evans also tried to do everything that it was directed towards women. And she wrote a book about it. And so it was really interesting <laughs> to follow all the things for women. Um, Man. So- uh, Thank you, Colleen. That was dope because I can imagine, especially around the, the the language and the laws of of a woman's purity and impurity time. Like she was never out to Korea, like untouchable. What's going? You know, all those things that cause a ripple effect of of that law into the humanity of a woman, right? And uh, and the and the in the dis of that, you know. I want to let you know though. As pastors for 34 years and preaching the Bible, right? Um, I believe that God's word is the North Star. It is our God. It is God's word um, to us. You know, the the Bible is that canon, canon, MC canon. It is that that read, right? Right. It is, it is that uh, uh, book of books, you know, and it, it is uh, written in three different languages and it's written by various authors over you know 1500 years all these all these truths and the facts about the scriptures uh and and the journey that the bible has taken in light of its um move of god i mean i don't know if it's still the most sold book in the world or whatever the case is but the uh the the bible has been used by god and it is uh god's word to bring about god's message to his people but there are some things in the text uh, that are questionable that you want to think about and, and you want to evaluate um, yeah. how you've pursued that in, in the text in that way, right? And so we want to talk about that. And I said, I want to emphasize that um, God's word is, is, is life. It says it about itself, right? It's, it's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, right? And so it is in that book that we find our hope in Christ in our life. And that. But it doesn't mean that there aren't things we can ask questions about and talk about uh, in that space. Because, you know, just just because um, we may um, have a perspective about what we say about, about the Bible, is, is it infallible? Is it not infallible? Is it inerrant or is it not inerrant? doesn't mean that we're not followers of Christ. You know, people want to categorize you in these particular ways, but there are things that... Um, we want to talk through and, 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 and unpack a little bit in, in, in the text today. Pastor Jay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we, we diving into this today. Like I've, I've, I've made quite a journey in my relationship to scripture and to the Bible and to understanding, um, I think what God is doing with the word, you know, with the Bible, um, in the world. Um, and so, yeah, I've come from a very conservative view, early on in my Christian life, like learning it from a way to, to really kind of like recognizing like, oh, there's different ways of understanding this thing. And so often I'll go, Phil, this is what I told y'all I was going to say, right? Like often I'll go to like speak at a space and I know that it's a more traditional conservative view (laughs) of the Bible where I'm going to. And there might be some things I say that they'll raise an eyebrow out. So I start off like this. I always say, I want to let you know, first and foremost, that I believe in, the un and the inerrant, infallible, perfect, living, <laughs> breathing word of God. But his name is Jesus. It ain't a book. Ooh, okay, okay. And the reason I do that is because I want to bring them in, recognizing like these are all the words that we use to describe this book. Yeah. But really, those old words are only used to describe Jesus in yeah. that same book 
that they're holding up so high. The logos, the logos. Yeah, He's yeah. the living word of God. When you right. talk about inerrant, like Jesus is that, not <laughs> the book, right? Right. And so if you do that, it brings people into a different space. It kind of disarms them to go, oh, okay, I see where you're going, right? Like, yes, <laughs> this is a book that's been touched by human hands yep. thousands of times, right? Like that has been reprinted and recreated and, and people made decisions about it, sitting in meetings and all these other things that none of us were at, right? <laughs> and so to think that all of that is still perfect after all of that is actually really foolish, mm, okay? right, um, right, right. But right. I still believe that God is using it to bring people to God's self, right? I still believe God is using it to, to lead the church closer to God, to, to teach us how to live in the world in a way that will bring glory to God. God is still using it to show us what not to do, right? Like there's lots of reasons that we need this book that I believe God gave to us, but never said that that, that it wouldn't have like some things that you have to kind of like really pay attention to, right? It's a book. Like you yeah. got to really read it. You got to study it. You got to dissect it. So for me, what I love, I'm a lover of the Bible, right? Like I still study hard. Like I preach. I'm not one of the people who preach good stories. Like I'm going to take yeah, a text yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. going to preach it wherever I go, right? Exactly, like, exactly. Because I would trust that more than my own thoughts that I'm making up, right? Before <laughs> I go up there. Right, exactly, so, exactly. But I also don't come up there as if there's not like a different way that someone may understand this very same thing that I just read based on their context, their lived reality, huh. their understanding of God. And so therefore, like, it's not about whether the book is like perfect and, 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 and everything is exactly how I think it should be. It's mm -hmm. really about, is it what it says? And it says that the, all scripture is God breathed. That's what I believe. God breathed it out. Man may have done something else to it when we got it. Humans might have twisted and screwed it and done whatever, but God breathed it. And when God breathed it, it was what it needed it to be. Yeah. But it says that it's profitable, not perfect, but it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, yeah. correcting, reproof, and training in righteousness. So that means that the book is still worth reading, still right. worth teaching, still worth studying because it is profitable right yeah. for our growth in the lord and that's the way i i approach my understanding of scripture now i do believe it's the word of god but i believe that it's the word of god that's been touched by humans yeah <laughs> and we know that when the word of god get touched by humans it's now the word of god that's been touched by humans right and so therefore i'm okay with that it doesn't make it any less profitable it doesn't make it any sharper than, than it was before filled with your scripture about it being sharper than two edged sword <laughs> it doesn't make it any less sweeter than it, than the honey and the honeycomb <laughs> all the passages that talk about it right, right like, it's right. all of those things if you really study it read it and understand it how much of it is 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 actually prose and poetry how yeah. much of it is narrative? How much of it is very little of it is actually didactic. Like there's very yeah. little of it that's like, you better do this. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. the more you begin to understand the Bible and to read it and understand the, all the authors of it and, and why it was written the way it was and all the discrepancies about how it was written and who wrote what and right. all right. these different things. The more you get into that, if you really realize that Jesus is the word of God, it really doesn't affect your faith for this book to maybe be different than what you perceive it to be. Right. But I'm like you, it's a North star. It is, yeah. it is, it is a truth. It is a book that we need. It is, it is a core uh, piece of our Christian walk and Christian faith. But I have to say that I worship God, right. not the Bible. Right. I worship <laughs> God, 
right. not the Bible. And for some people, that's they don't understand that. They don't understand that part. Now, I can see that. I can see that. I can see on the other end, like, well, the teachings of God are from God. I mean, I can see the whole, you know, going, going through the argument back and forth with that reality. I think mm-hmm. when you've been raised on a King James version of the Bible, right? Then there, there comes a whole nother tainting of what and how you read the Bible, right? I mean, and, yeah. and I remember days when it was like, that's, you better not use nothing else but that as a conversation. So especially in the black shirt, it's something romantic about thou with shall smacketh you <laughs> and something with that piece that creates a more holierness or something. But when you, and we was in seminary, and, they, and the professors bring out stuff in the old time, like read this in the King James. Remember that, and read this. Yes, and so I yes. was like, "Yo, this makes no sense. No How are they sense. writing about yes. this joint? Yes. This is crazy." Now, did I get up and walk out and be like, "Denounce my faith"? No, it was a man wrote this. Forty different authors in the in the, who wrote the Bible, right? Forty different authors, yes, yes. and that that reality, I want to say something. though, feel like. I was looking at your face, Colleen, and you look like you got a question based off something I said. Well, I do have a question because I had heard that the idea that the Bible was infallible is actually like that was a term that came around like just pre-World War II. Like, it, and I'm not I am not a seminary student, so I'm really asking more because like, did I make this up or is this something that this even is kind of a relatively modern idea even in our Christian culture? Yeah, I, I, I think... It's language to keep uh, control, like of of what uh, um, of what in, in a certain era, perhaps maybe that uh, the line of demarcation is moving, and so we must um, emphatically um, show that this infallible, in, 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 inerrant uh, word of God. I mean, I remember being in a hyper fundamental Bible college. Oh my God, I get a headache thinking about it. Oh my God, and it was almost like. Do I have to take a blood test? Like, if I take a blood test to really believe, you know, do you believe that this is infallible? And, and like, you had to almost say it like it was a, like it was a chant, you know, um, almost in a matter of again controlling peace. Now, the time with that, that you said the Second World War, what, what'd you like, say? It, like, I feel like it's like from like maybe the 1940s was the first time mm-hmm. that this idea that the Bible was infallible was like even a concept. And I, I really just was yeah. curious. Like, I couldn't remember. It's, it's one that. of those things, Colleen, you're absolutely right, right? Like, it's definitely a 20th century, like, invention, like, late 19th, early 20th century. And the, the deal is, it's like, it was, and this is a lot of how church, like, doctrine starts and dogma. It is a response to somebody swinging a pendulum too far in one direction, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, it was this idea of, you know, people trying to, to make something a fundamentalist idea um, that, you know, if the word of God is infallible, then we don't have to worry about these like preachers who are coming up. Because remember, that's when you really start to see the growing uh, Pentecostal movement where the faith yeah. movement, like all these things are starting to happen and people are pushing things the other direction. So they're like, no, let's just, just say, no, the Bible is perfect as it is. And you can't act. Cause what people were saying in those movements was God has given me a revelation. Yeah. Right. And now I want to add this to the scriptures. Right. Uh-huh. And so now they're like, no, 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 no. The Bible's perfect. You don't need to add anything. So it was more of a reaction than it was anything else. Got yeah. it. But then yeah. we've twisted yeah. it into this whole like reading the Bible as literally as possible. And we are running out of time. I got it. We'll be right back. Yo, you're listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the street. Do not, you hear me? Do not touch that dial. Do not touch that knob. Don't unplug the Bluetooth. Stay right here with us. In these streets, in these 
That's right. You heard it first. Church on the block. Ha <laughs> ha! We back at you. <laughs> church on the block, man. Real talk about hip hop, the church in the streets, man. Don't know what you was doing beforehand. I just want to shock you back into uh, what we own. And um, Holy Culture Radio, Channel 154, Sirius XM, man, with my great host, uh, Pastor Jay. Yo, what's up, and yo? our great host slash engineer slash choreographer, uh, Colleen, who is helping us to bring in some insights um, together today. We're talking about these uh, band questions, and this is, we're kind of, Moving from our phase one of these uh, band questions, uh, we'll touch this um, another time on a different kind of a different kind of angle. We're talking about the Bible. the The Bible is it inerrant? Is it infallible? Is it is it still trustworthy? And the reality of the the errors in the Bible, and out of forty different authors over fifteen hundred years, are there some things in there that bring some question to that? But yet at the same time, it is our north star. It is our foundation. It is where we recognize. God's word to guide us to Christ. And as Pastor Jay said, that the logos is who we are studying. Christ is the word of God. Uh, but, you know, oftentimes when you think about your own journey of faith and you, you know, whatever church you came into, whatever age or whatever time, it was that version of the Bible that you may have gotten introduced to. Right. And, and maybe you grew accustomed to it and you, and you loved it. But in the midst of that version of the Bible, um, that were uh, written in certain eras when there was slavery. There was a lot of oppression around certain versions of the Bible, right? There's even the whole Negro Bible. If you over go to uh, D.C. to the uh, um, African American History Museum and Smithsonian piece, it just cut out all the areas to talk about liberation and everything about oppression in, in the midst of that, right? And serve your masters. And so if that was your version, then that's going to be, well, I guess this must be what the truth is, right? And even uh, Nat Turner said, wait a second, they done left some stuff out. <laughs> And had a, you know just a little revolt, just a little bit of a revolt um, about what was left out in the Bible and the liberation that's there in Christ. And so, I'm going to touch a little bit about this whole thing: is the Bible infallible, inerrant, and uh, but yet uh, it's our north star as we look at the different versions. Or not look at them, but talk about the different versions of the Bible. I mean, King James Bible was written on behalf of those wanting to pacify the king, King James, and they wrote in King James language and in, in grammar, and so. It affirms that kind of culture, right? Like I, like I was saying about slavery, they affirmed a Bible that affirmed that kind of culture, right? And you got different versions of the Bible that affirm um, an oppression against women, and and, and it's um, emphasized in a various uh, words and and and, and uh, theologies that are birthed out of that particular version, right? And so when we talk about different versions of the Bible, it's it is best to be uh, welcoming a plethora of particular versions. You know, there's the uh, First Nations Bible that is powerful in uh, the culture of our, our First Nation brothers and sisters and how the, uh, the and, and a lot of cats in First Nations, some of, when we talk to them, how they have been dissed by not using traditional language in Christendom, right? Creator or, um, you know, the various, various words uh, that, the, the mighty spirit or whatever things that might be there that maybe, well, you must say specifically, is that the Holy Spirit? I mean, you know, whatever it might be, but it's relevant. Uh, uh, even some of you, I was, we were, we were in a red letter Christian event and in, in, in there with, um, um, up in um, New Mexico. And, um, and, uh, we're talking about some first nation folks are just talking about when, 
we're there um, in the reservation and we're speaking about God. We're speaking about God in this way. And but yet how, a lot of people don't believe we're, we're Christian. So I say all that because the reality of what you may first touch in your in your walk of faith in the Bible, that particular Bible um, could also be um, detrimental uh, in your own walk uh, with the Lord because of that particular version. Um, Pastor Jay. Yeah, as we. As we think through this, man, like I, I know that I was introduced to King James growing up, man. I, I grew up in a Baptist church, black Baptist yeah. church. And so, you know, Very when I learned, Bible. oh, man, my first Bible I got, you know, was thick. It had my name like monogrammed in the bottom corner. You know what I'm saying? All the letters, the words of Jesus had to be in red. Right. And you know what I'm saying? And then, right. like, All I the had to learn. Oh, yeah. I had to learn the 23rd Psalm. I had to learn the Lord's Prayer. I had, you know, and I learned all those things in the King James version because that was the authorized version. I've still heard people saying that now you know, in churches, right? That's the only authorized version. I'm like, uh, it says that in the book, but it means that King James <laughs> authorized the version. It doesn't mean it's the only authorized version. Right, right. But, um, I think it's really important when we when we have this type of discussion about the Bible that we talk about translation and we talk about the the power of translation and how translations happen. What we need to do is we need to build on what's already there. That's what they do when they're doing um, these translations. So they'll take one version of the Bible and then they'll try to like make it more relevant and or look at it and say, well, maybe they meant this or maybe this is what or um in our culture today, we might think of it this way, and they try to make the translation more relevant, but it can get further and further away from the actual context of what was written there in the first place. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and it also matters who the group of people are and kind of their uh, theological stances, uh, doctrinal stances, how they're going to interpret a certain passage. So if there's someone who's very conservative about their views of women in pastoral leadership, then they're going to translate a passage that's talking about that in a specific way. Right. And so we have to be aware of that. And that's why it's important when you get a translation, you find out, well, who was on the translation committee? Who were the people? What do they really think? Like right. that, that will help you understand how and why they translated the Bible the way they have. And I know that people don't like to like do all that work. But if you're going to make the Bible that important, if it's going to be that fundamentally crucial in your walk with the Lord, then you should be doing that kind of work to understand who's been holding it, mm. who's been in charge of how it was translated, because it is crucial and profitable for your training, reproof, uh -huh. reproof, right? Like all those things that the word of God says. Right. Um, but and then I think the other thing is, is to recognize that. Um, not only are we trying to look at who's translated, you're trying to look at who hasn't been included in wow. the translation of words, wow. right? Like who hasn't been looked at? What what group of people's perspective or scripture has been left out? Mm -hmm. And when you look at that, you start looking at how oppression can be uh, affirmed and can be can be perpetuated just by a specific translation of a passage because unless we recognize that context matters in our understanding of the view of god like mm. where we live why we do the things we do is based a lot on the culture we come from the context in which we live in and the historic narrative that we come out of uh you know just as a sidebar nobody ever reads the bible just reading the bible well, i don't right. do no I, I just believe the bible no you don't like you have a context and a culture that you come from that is giving you a certain paint painting a certain frame and a lens in which you see the bible through 
So right. if you don't have a perfect, clear view of scripture, anybody, because we all right. have tainted lenses, right? We see through and so glass if we recognize darkly. that, that's exactly it. Exactly it. You know, and so since we see through this glass darkly and it's dimly lit, we got to recognize there's probably people's and voices and, and perspectives that we're missing. And I always say, I want to know them all because the Bible that I'm reading says that every person is created in the image and likeness of God. Right. And therefore, if I don't understand how they see this passage, I'm actually missing a way that God meant for me to see the Bible, right? Or see God. Wow. So yeah, like it's, it's more than just like, oh, read your Bible. It's know the translation you're reading. I say read multiple translations. Right. And even translations you would never have picked up before. You know what I mean? Colleen, yeah. talk about the one you got. Well, so I well I have the First Nations version, which is amazing. It is an indigenous translation of the New Testament, and I do think they're working on a translation of the Old Testament as well. But just to that point, I think um, I was on a retreat a couple weeks ago, and they had um, a modern. They had some icons from a modern iconographer. He drew a, a image of. Um, Mary and and a young child Jesus and they were Asian and I had never it was like breathtaking like I'd never seen this image of of Jesus captured with as 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 an Asian as a mother and child as an Asian mother and child and I don't and it was so striking because we've never seen it and it was just this really big reminder of like God like we is we are all a reflection of who God is. And so to remember that like there is not one type of person that isn't a reflection of God's image. And in the same way, those translations, like I just liked what you said about like, it's not about finding the perfect translation. It's about using all of them to have a bigger expand expansion of your understanding of who God is to recognize that like, the picture that you have in your head or the understanding that you have in your head is limited and God transcends all of it. I just, I, I don't know. I just love that. That's going to make me want to just constantly switch up translations. Right, right, right. And we should, I mean, in the context of understanding the uniqueness of God, right. And the, the, um, I mean, when you read the old Testament, you read the new Testament is, you know, new Testament is like other people's mail. Like you, you know, you read other people's mail, now you don't know the history and the backstory what this package is and what that means. And if you you you, you go hundred years from now and somebody gets something about hip hop, gets a cassette of a Wu Tang, you'll be like, what Tang? What? what okay, uh, what cream? Cash? We don't even use cash. Cash rules everything. Mm-hmm. And you look at my retina, and I that's how I pay for my retina. I look at my eye, <laughs> blink twice, that's twenty bucks. Like I don't know. So if you don't understand people's mail or the backdrop of that. You're just reading into it, and you're taking your 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 culture and your context into that spot. And be like, yep, that's how it should be. Women submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. That's it. Period. Submit, right? And so, um, and the whole culture uh, demonizes, or I mean, literally, and then squashes and oppresses women. And that just fits right into that same kind of rhythm. And so you just continue, right. and then you got a bunch of other. Yep, that's right. I know you ain't got no women preaching. I know ain't no women preaching your church, are they? Uh huh. All because of a theological warped way of grasping the text from the culture where you're at. But if you read other people's mail, Paul ain't even talking about that. He ain't even talking about it and addressing it in that way. That's what's so crazy. I mean, it's like it's so warped where folks just took that and ran with. It. And then when you look at the Bible. 
And you find in the, even in the New Testament that um, it's influenced a Greek population. Well, now you got a Greek influence in the New Testament. What does that mean? You know what I'm saying, Muggs? Both they not eating pork. Now you get to eat pork. Can you eat pork with spaghetti on <laughs> the Sabbath? What in the world? What are we eating spaghetti? So, uh, you know, all of a sudden it's like all the nuances that all that. So, but that's a lot of, that's a lot of backdrop to understand before you begin to have um, some judgment on something, right? So some real theology on something. You got to understand um, all these nuances with that. And even Christ said some things that would, that would throw you away. Like he called. The Seraphonician woman, he said, look, he, you know, uh, you her know, dog, man. her daughter, man, he, she come down screaming like, like, I ain't really here for you. Like, I ain't here for your kind of people. But ain't no Jew in the block, ain't no Jew in a five mile radius from here. And you in my hood talking about you ain't you ain't here for the West Side. Man, get your butt back to uh, uh, South Side. I'm about the same name of street, but y'all would have been like, it's over east or somewhere. But uh, the the reality of. Him then dialoguing with this woman who wasn't Jewish. <clears throat> then he says, you know, um, it ain't right to take the children's bread, take these gifts and give to the dog. He, he, he a female, he called her a dog. You forget what the word is. Mm. Um, I ain't go, yeah, we, I don't want to say on the air. So the, um, the uh, <laughs> she says and identifies with what he says is despised. And he says, man, your daughter healed. You, you, you a beast. Well, then that dialogue, right? That dialogue, there's a lot of cultural things happening. Right, the boys, his disciples, just come off the boat. They like, yo, and they, 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 they and, and I think in Matthew's version, Matthew 15's version, he's, he's like, the disciples ask him, yo, should we tell her to get away from you? Because she's wilding. His response is to them, not to her. She's still standing there quiet, like, yo, I ain't here for her kind of people. You talking about her? Why is she right there? All kind of cultural things are happening right there, right? And she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't come at him and say, Lord, son of David, no more. She don't come no fancy Jewish quote. She said, look, look, help me. Lord, help me. So I, I, I say all that just using that little snippet of a story. And Jay, I know you got some stories and thoughts in the, in the text as well. Some things, you, things you've preached about, you know, at uh, different conferences. Like, yo, I never saw that in the text that way. What Bible are you reading? Oh, my God. That's, and, and, you know, where, where, you know where, the, where there's Christ, man, there is liberty. And that, that part right. I can never, never, ever get away from where Christ is. Man, there's freedom. And so right. where is Christ in the midst of this? And where is the freedom that comes with Christ in the midst of it? And I think, when you, so even looking at that text in Matthew, it's this whole, I'm not supposed to be healing your daughters right now and theologically in this particular time. And she forces his hand. And, you know, how you force the hand of God? Well, he's human in dialogue of that piece. You know what I'm saying, Jay? Yeah, I love it, man. Like, I, I think it's really important that people realize, like, whenever I usually, like, come from a passage in a way that people have not typically read it, at least in our context, it's because I'm coming from an international context with my, with my, you know, exegesis of it. Like when I, I tell a lot of times I'll tell parables in ways where in America, the person we think is the actual hero of the story, um, they turn out to be the villain or the person we think is the villain in the parable. They turn out to be the hero because an international context, they see it completely different, you know? And so like, I just think right. that people do, we need to recognize how much context and culture paints our view of scripture. And so right. Colleen, like what I was talking about <laughs> earlier, like I never study for any teaching without multiple translations open before me, right? Like I'm going to have four or five yeah. different Bibles open. I'm going to have different like 
uh, different preachers from all over the world, how they've translated this text, different wow. theologians. Yeah. I need all of that because because I'm a, that is a better way for us to understand God's word. We understand God's word. Yeah, man, we got to. We're going to come right back and talk, talk about that some more, y'all. Church on the Block. We'll talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. And we're back. Church on the Block ain't never left the block. You hear me? You hear me? Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets, man. And uh, DJ Ruckus, crickets. Uh, we'll catch up with him in a little bit. Uh, the man is all over the place right now. He's causing ruckus, his man. Trying to, you see him on the news in a little bit. But no, he's doing good, man. He's doing good. With my man, Pastor Jay, and our uh, our uh, 007 <laughs> uh, uh uh, other host, uh, Colleen, who's also our engineer, popping in. And we're talking on these band questions about the Bible. Is it inerrant? Is it infallible? What is it? What What's going on? And um, and being able to recognize you know, things in Scripture that bring question to its inerrancy and infallibility. But it doesn't mean it's less potent. It doesn't mean that it doesn't bring God's hope and life. And as Pastor Jay said, I'll bring up again, I love the breakdown of that, that um, the infallible and inerrancy is in Christ. He is the one that's infallible. He is the one that's inerrant. And in Christ, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And as the scriptures, with the little bit of information we have about Christ, as John said, there's not enough volumes that can, can carry all that Christ thought about. We have enough to bring wholeness to our own lives and, and, and healing. And so we're talking about this, and we're talking about you know versions of the Bible and how oftentimes those versions may be the first place you understand God and things like that. And those versions may come from an oppressed place. And now you're understanding God from an oppressed place. And if you are not careful by having an array of other versions to look at, having an, another, an array of other options and other experiences of people who love the Lord and understand the text from another way, uh, you will be just as uh, much of an oppressor as the text you're reading from that particular perspective. And you'll wonder, and, and then you, you, you separate and you, you know, go into politics and then you have certain positions in politics and then you end up uh, voting for a particular candidate that uh, it's a whole situation happens. There's a whole new conversation for that show. And you beat up on January 6th of 23 and it's a whole situation. Um, but being able to being able to really, really be alive with what's happening when you read the text and recognize this is uh doesn't make sense right here. This does, and, and recognize that it's 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 a whole other male that's there. It's a whole other culture that you don't understand, and you can't bring in your Western perspective and call it law, and then put that oppression on everybody else around you. Uh, because too many times I was saying this before, folks memorize what they're being taught and just take that verbatim. But when that stuff is poked and prodded, they just keep spitting what they memorize. But it's not really of any real substance, or even even bringing life uh, to people. Right, so. So, uh, Jay, you were finishing up talking about when you preach, you have an array of different uh, versions right, out, and right, you're looking at right. the text from an international perspective. That's that's a fresh fresh uh, insight. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I wanted to say it because I felt like it was really important. As Colleen was talking about the First Nations uh, translation there, like, I think it's important that we recognize that they're, you know, the world is bigger than our small context um, the script, the word of God is bigger than our small context. Oh. And, and, and if we we can take the same book and read it in a different place and see that book in a totally different way mm. because of the context that we we're reading it in. And I think that that's valuable. That's not something to be afraid of. You know, <laughs> right, when right. you look at the oppression of, 
religious oppression throughout the world, it's because people were afraid of the way somebody else was doing things, you <laughs> right. know? So when Christians, yep. you know, you know, who, you know, the, you know, I don't even want to say this, but like one of my frustrations with scripture is that, you know, when we look at the new Testament and we look at the spread of the gospel, the Bible only takes us to Europe, right? We don't get True. biblical stories about the Bible in Asia and the Bible in Africa. We get a few characters here and there, but we get all of these letters written to these European cities. And, right. and therefore like there's this belief that, you know, it's a European religion then when it was growing faster in Asia and Africa than it was in Europe anyway. And so then those Europeans come to Africa and Asia and they're not, the people there know about this Jesus, but they're not doing it the same way. And they like, no, you're a heretic, burn it at the stake. You got to do it our way. You know what I mean? So yeah, like if we can't be open to different ways of reading, understanding and believing, right. I'm not saying that you just believe anything you hear or believe anything you read, or there's no real truth or anything. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is being open to different understandings of the same passage, different understandings of the same text. Um, and, and being open to what we can gain from them and then what things we might need to let go of and say, I don't know if I necessarily hold that to be, you know, profitable for me and my walk with the Lord, but I'm glad I learned it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I try to do. I try to, I try to open myself up as much as possible, knowing that whether I get every, you know, piece of literature and every line of the scripture correct does not hold weight or whether or not me and the Lord are cool. That's not the way I roll. Jesus I mean, made me and the Lord cool. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there, there is, I mean, in, in, in real talk, you know, there can be some danger in the conversation we're even having today. If sure. People, yeah, yeah. People, I mean, it, it's one thing to be in ministry as long as we've been and the things we've done and the study we've had to say what we're saying with confidence in our love for the Lord and I ain't going nowhere and, and, and preaching. Um, but those who are first hearing it, um, to be like, whoa, whoa, what, what just, what just happened? And when I mean by danger in that context, like just blurring the lines and we're not trying to do that. We're trying to say, let's just be real with the text. Let's just be mm-hmm. real with the text <laughs> and still be real with God and be trusting in the movement of that. You know, too many times I think it's like, folks got to have like, uh, this, this, this is the way it's got to be when it comes to, um, what, what, whatever, and and in and, and, and faith and things like that, right? And it comes to this this um, this issue that you know <laughs> that my words are the potent words that are going to create this change in somebody's life, right? And but if you don't, and I remember people you got a Romans three twenty three, Romans five eight, Romans ten nine to ten. You know, you got to say it in that way. You got to have it. And so something about not doing in that pattern or that rhythm or whatever, and you got to condemn people so bad that they see that they're such a sinner. And they, they're so wretched and that way, then they'll, then they don't, I'm that wretched. Then leave me alone. You know, I'm depressed now. I'm discouraged. I'm gonna go get a drink. Um, but if you share with me, you know, there's some, there's some hope and what blocks that hope is us, whatever the case may be. But, but I, I say that because too many times folks have said these magical words or must be magical or whatever it must be. You got to follow this particular formula. Um, and it's not our words. It's not our magical formulas and stuff we've created for the text to to, to bring a clear, potent message. Uh, even in preaching, preaching, you know, the, the biblical text expositorily, uh, uh, um, exegetic, whatever, all the things you want to say, um, are not going to bring the hope. It is the Spirit of God that we must 
surrender to ultimately, right? The spirit of God leading, preaching, teaching from a conversation on a bus stop to in a car, to a phone call, to in, in person or at church. And, and that is what, uh, uh, what I want to lean into that it is the spirit of God that, that we want to trust. I mean, Christ said in the Beatitudes, y'all, y'all heard it was said that, you know, if you, you know, want to you know murder your brother, you know, um, you know, you know, death. But I, I say, if you hate your brother, so he, he took the law, the language, the I'm doing this right. I'm using the right phrases and things. Uh, and took it to another level. Like it is your heart that is that I'm, the spirit of the law that I, I, I call you to live in. This is what the whole Old Testament, this is what the New Testament, this is who I am uh, about. This is what the, the life we're called to live to, to live in, right? And he just went on with a litany of uh, realities. Even, even Mahatma Gandhi was like reading the Beatitudes. He said he read the Beatitudes every day, you know? And if, if followers of Christ uh, would begin to, Pursue living in that in that phase. I believe your motives can be checked, right? Um, Proverbs sixteen two and three says all the ways of a of a man or a human are are um, you know, weighed by the Lord, right? The motives are weighed by the Lord. Dang, you may have some good intention. I well, I intended to keep the do- open the door for you. I'm sorry, I let it slip. You wasn't trying to keep the door open. You wanted him to hit 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 him in the back of the ankle or whatever the case is. But your motive was impure. He said, but if you're in, in, in some versions says even if you're if you you know commit your plans uh, to the Lord and they'll be established. It's one of those kind of things that that are our motives pure. So even as we look at the text, trust in the Spirit of the Lord. As you have pure motives uh, to hear what God is teaching you and saying to you. And, and, and don't be intimidated to question, like, God, what does this really mean? I, I, let me read another version of it and see what it says. So that that grounding of who you are in Christ is grounded, not so much because you memorized what some preacher said. And she said a great sermon, but she studied, she did the study, right? And she broke the text down. And so she is foundationally grounded in that truth. you got to walk in that space and... Um, and, and, and own that own that space in that context. You know what I'm saying? Can I ask you guys a question? Um, I've heard, you know, you, I'm not a preacher, and so I don't have to read scripture from that angle of, like, preparing <laughs> a message. So I'm just curious, like, for you both, how do you engage with scripture personally? Like, how is scripture relevant for you both personally? And how do you keep that relevant in your life just as a person? not as a, a yeah. pastor. Yeah, that's good. That's real good. Um, I appreciate it. I mean, I am very different in my study of scripture personally than I am in preparation for a message. Usually in preparation for a message, I'm trying to intake scripture, intake a message so that I can present it in a way that I feel like people will be able to take it with them. But when I get into the scripture for myself, it's really more about like, how is this word speaking to me in my present moment? And so I like to use the scriptures. I like to use a, a, a version of scripture that speaks to me, right? Like that, that, uh, that, that, that clarifies scripture. A lot of times I'm using the message Bible or some other kind of paraphrase so that I can actually intake what I'm reading and I can like apply it to my life. I really spend a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time in like, um, like mostly because of who I am and like Old Testament prophetic books um, and then in the Gospels and mostly because, you know, I think I spent a lot of time in like Pauline epistles before based off my like 
you know, training and, and the way I was discipled in the faith early on. And then a lot of time in like the five canonical books from Moses, right? Like growing up in a black church, we heard about the Exodus story over and over again. Right. So now I'm trying to like get into some of those texts that I haven't to see what they mean to me. And man, they're like really speaking. Um, mm. So I mm. try to apply like what I'm reading. So that's what's most important to me in my personal study time. application. Yeah. yeah. What's key to me is relationship, right? And so I am, I love Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof, my, my favorite movie. Maybe kind of cheap. Fiddler, the, the, the Jewish cat, his daughter's marrying this other cat, and he's like, yo, this is untraditional. But his conversation with God is a beast. Mm-hmm. He's with God like, are you kidding me? I mean, that part, like, hey, yo, if I was a rich man, I mean, all this, like, 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 you know, tradition, tradition. He's trying to stay with tradition, but God is like, yo, I'm God. I'm going to bring love to people like what you mean. Are you serious right now? And, and that part right there, when I'm studying the text, I'm studying it for, okay, so how do, so, so how do we relate to this together now? What, what is this? What, what, what do we, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be flippant with it. I'm just trying to say, God, I want to know you more. What is this? mean for us, you and me. Like when I talk to my wife, we try to have an hour a day to talk and somewhere in the day or the night and we talk about everything. What's your dream? What happened to your finger? All of a sudden, every, you know, it's relationship driven and then I goes into a whole kind of pathway. And so some of that causes me to read and then stop and pray. I don't know if I can live this way. I don't know if I can figure this one out. This is, you have to work with me on this one. Like this is this is this is weird. This is challenging. This is hard. Uh, I do not want to. You know what I'm saying? And I would pray and believe that in that intimate relationship, that he's like, I know you don't want to, but but we're gonna come back to this in a minute. All right, cool, cool, cool. But right now we're about to go hoop, <laughs> whatever the case may right, be. Right, right. And I say that because I want that. I want. I want. I, I desire that level of intimacy. You know, with with the Lord to be. What drives the understanding of the Word of God? You know, what what drives the understanding of the of the Hebrew text um, in the New Testament, and having an understanding of God more. Like like, okay, so I used to have a notebook on my wife when we were dating. What her what her what her uh, colors were her earth tone colors. You know, things that she liked to even do, and, and she doesn't like to talk much. I'm like she doesn't like to talk much, but she likes to be still together, and that's a cool thing for. So I sell that in light of. Having that same thing with the text, I want to read the text with the lens cap of that that relationship. And a lot of times over the years, you know, sometimes it's like I ain't getting nothing out the Bible. The Bible, the Word, I don't know what uh, I read it. I don't know how many times. Like, what is this Bible saying? Let me get a phone book. I can get a phone book, or, or you know, maybe there's some good authors right there. I might I might be able to read. But sometimes just being still and like, let me just sit here and see if God you know, is, is nudging on my heart or what's coming up for me by being so somehow I'm just crying. I don't even know why I'm crying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but I say all that because I think all of that in the spirit of God and the mystery of it too, right? The mystery of God, right? Is, yeah. is, is welcomed, welcomed in that spirit. I think some, I'll be real quick. Some of the coolest things, you know, I got introduced to stuff in seminary, but some of you may have already heard of it is doing some of the more liturgical things in scripture, the prayer of examine and, mm-hmm. and doing uh, Lectio Lectio. Divina. Yeah, yeah Lectio those Divina. things really bring the word alive. Like you get the smells, you get the sounds, you get, <laughs> you get, you put yourself in the passage and in the book. And those have been really helpful. And I think I use those a lot in my personal time. Cause like I said, it's about application for me. So I need to, put myself in the text and in the story. So yeah. Yeah. yeah.
time to drop bars. You know, there was a woman who was known at the church for making the baddest desserts. Ooh, she made some bad desserts. Man, they knew them desserts was coming. No matter how good the other lady made the greens and the neck bones and the, and the can of yams or whatever for, for the after-church dinner, they was waiting for that dessert. They wanted her only to make the dessert. And they loved this lady. She was all joyful. And she got sick. You know, she got sick. She'd been to the church all of her life. And uh, people journeyed with her on, her on her sickness for years. Uh, but she always had a quote at the, every dinner. She had a quote after every dinner or every lunch. She said, look, here's a fork. She passed on a brand new fork every time. The best is yet to come. She said, the best is yet to come. And so she passed out a fork every time, man. And um, as she was getting sicker, she could do less and less desserts. And you know, try to, people try to mimic her desserts at the same time, but they couldn't do it. But they always still passed out a fork on behalf of her and said, the best is yet to come. Well, she passed away, and the pastor um, did her eulogy, and the family was there, and other family from all over town uh, and other parts of the country came. <clears throat> and he finished his sermon, and he finished his sermon, and he gave the family a fork. And though they may not have known the history of their local church, he said, oh, you may be hurt now, you may be confused now, you may be frustrated now, but the best is yet to come. And it's not so much I'm saying the best is yet to come because we're going to see the great healing of our lives when we die. I'm saying the best is yet to come as we journey with God in this relationship. Don't let this moment today cause you not to see the best is yet to come. Grab a fork, put it in your car, and recognize the best is yet to come. Pastor Phil, Pastor Jay, Colleen, Church on the Block, Real Talk by Hip Hop, The Church, and The Streets. We holler at you next week. Thank you for listening to Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. Back here next week, same time, same channel, Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM, channel 154. Come with us. Crazy in these streets. Tell them it's crazy in these streets. Tell them it's crazy in these streets.